0: You're
1: listening to the Thompson Show on WNHHLP one hundred three point five FM, your home
2: for community radio. Uh,
1: the um, and after that, uh, I was called to the Mount Airy Baptist Church in Bridgeport, and that's where I served for seventeen years. And uh, overlapping the, those years of service was. Um, my becoming a clinical social worker, going back to school for the master's in social work and a doctorate in social welfare, um, and combining those two areas in my pastoral work and uh, as an adjunct member of the faculty here at the Yale Divinity School, which started in 1987. Um, in 1992, I was invited to become university chaplain uh, at Yale and senior pastor of the Church of Christ and resident in its chapel called uh, Battelle Chapel. And so I stepped down from Mount Airy after those 17 years, came back to New Haven and served as university chaplain for 15 years. Um, During that time, we did a lot of work on promoting multi-faith campus ministries and understanding amongst different religious traditions and traditions that would be considered by some as spiritual and not necessarily religious, but part of the larger matrix, diversity of spiritual orientations that people have in in our world. And so that was um, a very exciting uh, uh, time that Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed. Then after those 15 years as chaplain, I stepped down and became a full-time faculty member at the Wurzweiler School of Social Work at Yeshiva University in New York City. Wurzweiler is the school where I went back to back to and got mm. the master's and the doctorate. Mm. So this is how all these things get connected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I served on faculty there for five years. And the the fifth year is when I was invited to, become pastor of Dixwell Congregational Church. Here again, a full swing, a
0: mm-hmm. place that
1: I'd been been at as a student fifty almost fifty years earlier. Right. right. So I came back um, to Dixwell and was there almost 12 years and um decided to retire from the parish ministry a year ago. That that is my family and I thought about it and decided that this year, 2023 would be the year I would retire. Uh, we made that decision in 2022, after leading the congregation through through the pandemic, and uh, helping it to survive and thrive and to stabilize its 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 presence in the community. It was the spring of 2023 when the invitation came to be in the current position. So here's the connection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The current position is one of, of uh, guiding and facilitating students at the divinity school who want to uh, acquire a joint master's of divinity or master of, of art and religion with a master's in social work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, we have a joint relationship with the Yukon School of Social Work has, that's been on the book's and we've had students to go through it uh, over the years. And so we want to expand the partnership with uh, two or three other schools of social work in addition to UConn. And the reason for such an attraction is that the state, as you know, it is dying need of more tra- professionally trained social workers. Mm-hmm. And um, Divinity students who go into a joint degree find, a a lot of value complementation between the values of social work, the skills that you learn, either in the clinical area of pastoral counseling, policy area of uh, uh, legislation, that kind of thing, administration, or community organizing. Those are the three areas that social workers focus on in their training and and practices. So um, my job here, having done that, work in the church and in the community and to uh, and to incorporate it uh, my clinical knowledge as a social worker dealing with trauma um in the pastoral realm i pull all that together to help students to to make their journey through the joint degree program so that's the full circle no, no, kind of I, no
2: no i really and the, the concentric circles as you say and, and interlocking circles i can hopefully people can see the labyrinth. I really appreciate your giving, giving that context. Talk to me, Jerry, and, and again, we have about 20 minutes or so, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were in uh, C- Czechoslovakia, Józef, Kosovo? Oh, no,
1: I, uh, uh, well, one of, again, one of these kind of synergies, when I came to the Yale Divinity School, there was also a person in, uh, named Dr. Richard Malika, who was a psychiatrist, doing his residency at Yale New Haven Hospital, but he was also interested in religion and he was in the Master of Arts in Religion program. We became friends and had mutual interest in spirituality and psychiatry, and um, done research together and done some publications together. He created what's called the Harvard Program in Refugee Trauma. And this is a, a program that trains mental health workers across mental health disciplines and primary health care to provide uh, clinical assistance to people who've been traumatized by war, mass violence and natural disasters. And so my first um, stage of work with them, I've been involved with HPRT, the Harvard Program of Refugee Trauma now for 25 years. And my first um, first assignment with that work was to assist people in Bosnia, right after the Bosnian conflict. Uh, so I went to Bosnia several times over a seven-year period and working with our colleagues. We had a team of physicians in Bosnia. I was working with them to provide mental health care to people affected by the, uh, the, the, the war that had ended with the Dayton Accords in, in the early 90s. And then I've incorporated trauma work in my work as a pastor, and certainly the needs of the African American community.
2: And, and the reason I really appreciate your sharing that context and that that part of your journey, as well as because for for the shows, although I do strictly uh, historic shows, but I also like to kind of even if it's if a historic if it's a, if a if it's a, a historic episode and someone's listening, I ask them to kind of translate that in terms of what's going on today. But today, that translation is not too difficult to make, in terms of what's going on in in, in the Middle East and the founding of all, of, of most of the religions. I guess, wonder what's on your mind in that regard. You and I can't uh, mandate a ceasefire at the moment. We could we could invoke Ralph Bunch, perhaps, or we couldn't uh, in, invoke a- Andy Young, or we could invoke uh, President Carter's books. But I guess, wonder what's going through your mind now. Uh, in terms of the refugee, whatever crisis or word you want to use, in terms of the the, the humanity, this displacement of humanity that's going mm-hmm. on, and 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 again, the need for what you're doing, because even if the ceasefire happened today, these traumas, these bombs, these episodes, these deaths, these these murders, or will perhaps take place uh, in the future. Uh, like,
1: yeah, there. You know as you know, there's long term. Um significance, long-term intergenerational trauma that happens after major uh, events like a war or or natural disasters or or civil unrest. So when we think about it, just in the last few years, we've had the culmination of problems in between uh, Israel and and Hamas, between uh, Israel and, and Gaza, the, the problems that we are now seeing didn't just ferment it overnight. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a long history of conflict. That's num- that's one scene. Then we have the situation in the Ukraine. That's another scene. Mm-hmm. And we've had some uh, tr- uh, some atrocities happening in civil war conflicts in different parts of Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we when we look at our domestic situation, George Floyd, uh, and other the, the the killings and and state-sponsored terrorism and black people and uh, women and men and children. You see, these are variations. These brutalities are a variation of 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 the same problem of racism and homophobia and and uh, religious fundamentalism. And what needs to happen is these are very complex things. But in light of the current situation in Israel. Uh, between Palestine and and um, Gaza, uh, or Israel and Gaza, uh, in addition to all the political stuff that's going on and negotiations be- behind the scenes between various countries, including Iran and Egypt and the United States, someone has to constantly talk about the need for there to be a different um, Atmosphere whereby, as my mentor and you're familiar with the work of Howard Thurman mm-hmm. uh, used to talk about all the time, is that you've got to redefine uh, uh, and take away the definition of enemy. Mm. That, that it sounds you know optimistic and all of that, but the reality is that until people start seeing each other as equal human beings, as long as we stay trapped in this us and them um, my religion my ethnicity is superior to yours it creates those barriers and the, that kind of segregation in which power then takes advantage of and whoever has the power in a segregated world the per- people or the, the institutions with the power live a different quality of life from those from whom the, their use of power then oppresses and so you get that imbalance and um over time uh people who are oppressed will 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 reach out and flat you know and and resist and um behave in ways that are inhumane on mm-hmm. both sides mm-hmm. on both sides mm-hmm.
2: and and you and let, let's continue on that theme a little because you've also traveled to south africa and and, and though you weren't there during the you know the, the 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 overt oppression you saw the effects of, of what happened when for apartheid to be to, to reigned its ugly head for several decades Sh- share a little bit about that your, your South African experience yeah I uh,
1: I've been to South Africa several times but my initial reason for going as a Fulbright uh, senior Fulbright scholar was to to do research and to learn through the University of Pretoria. Uh, Department of Practical Theology and University of Pretoria School of Social Work, how social workers and ministers were being trained and educated to, in fact, help people who have been traumatized by mm-hmm. apartheid. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's a continu- con- the a continuous theme with my work in Bosnia, my work in South Africa, my work in right here in our own community and in the and in the private counseling, I occasionally do
2: and and so let's let's continue I guess I want to stay on this world, the global world and the neighborhood world because people often ask what the show's all about, and I say it's it's about what's going on in your home and your family and your church and your neighborhood and your world and your state wherever you define your locus of control you 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 are affected and you want to try to uh, muster up and gird your loin, so to speak, so you can be a, be, a, be a if not a change agent influence influence change. But but talk about so I guess include uh, Haiti on your list as well. I mean people that's kind of become now back burner news, but people forget mm-hmm. the, the issues that have been going on there for so more recently as well as in the past.
1: In any situation where you have um, dictators uh, uh, based upon religious differences or tribal differences or ethnic differences, The the dynamic is the same. It's it's the abuse of power and and people in power rationalizing the abuse of other people um, such that they then make other people, in fact, less than. They become objects, as we say. And it's easy to then uh, perpetuate more oppression and violence on people that you perceive as not another... uh, Human being like mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. And that condition only gets exacerbated by poverty, corruption, um, further means uh, the use of resources that indeed segregates people and creates uh, multi tiered kinds of society. Some people think, for an example, that uh, US in general, as uh, we have social economic groups, you know, middle class, yeah. rich, supposedly rich and poor. But we're a very class-oriented society. Mm-hmm. We have so many class. Just take a just just buy a plane ticket, and you'll see how class-oriented mm-hmm. our society is. Mm-hmm. Everywhere from from first class to coach to business privilege, or you know all these mm-hmm. different cute little names, and but everybody's on the same plane, and nobody gets to the destination before anyone else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But we have this illusion of difference in such a way that I can have a more comfortable ride than you, and that mm. would be true if you have the so-called first class ticket versus coach. But you're all but we're all in the same plane. Mm-hmm. And that plane goes down. We're all going down. First class is not going to stay up and coach is going to go down. You know And so mm-hmm. we, we create these illusions of separateness and independence. As as if as if we can survive based on our own silo existence.
2: And I don't want to get too too divergent, but just as you were chatting, Jerry, and again, it's always good to see you. When you when you mentioned the uh, the, the classism, just in terms of the riding on a on a plane, my, my mind jumped to the to the the uh, 9/11 and and the towers and how the insurance companies decided that some people would get more money. Than others based on their projected income for the future,
1: right, right.
2: I mean, so it's even kind of baked in, if you will, to our uh, our financial and, and insurance industry.
1: Well, it's it's baked in. It's baked into values that we derive from a distortion of capitalism. Uh, I'm not an anti-capitalist. I'm, I'm a capitalist in terms of we all we we should create opportunities for people to flourish. Uh, in whatever their capacities are but the, the challenge is up equal opportunity mm-hmm. uh, you know i don't care what someone makes versus someone else but if you're making money at the expense of other people that brings in a different issue mm-hmm. issues of, of equity and ethics Let, let's
2: jump to the curriculum design a little bit just to shift to the uh, the students that might be entering the program, or students that might be considering entering the program, how do you think the curriculum will help to it, not not abolish racism, but uh, help help folks to kind of fight the battle for justice and equality better?
1: Well, one of the one of the strengths and hallmarks of, of the social work profession is its fight against uh, inequality and oppression. Um, many schools of social work curriculum ha- has a clear emphasis upon. Uh, on the BIPOC community and on understanding the dynamics of oppression and systematic racism and other forms of racism. Mm -hmm. And so students who go into social work learn um, not only the theories, but they get skills for assessing and then intervening and creating better systems and organizations and relationships between people, depending upon the domains that they choose to work in. As I said, sometimes, Students are more some students are more interested in the clinical pastoral counseling side, some are more interested in policy, others are interested in community organizing. And with the Reverend Dr. Barber here at the Divinity School mm-hmm. with his public policy institute, um and social work and public policy, that, that goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So um what we're trying to do is is to make that that kind of education available to a cohort of students who want to go in that direction. Uh, We have approximately 300 students across our our degree programs, and we hope that on on average to have about eight to 10 students every year in a joint degree program. Mm. Uh, We have seven who have completed um, so far in the last uh, three or four years, and we have Three students entering the joint degree program in the fall. Hmm.
0: You, but you, it, but it's ahead, important, mm-hmm. it's
1: an important time for people to know also that while the knowledge and skills that social work offers, uh, which are in many ways different than what ministry uh, training does offer, they're very complementary, but also ministry brings something to social work, hmm. it brings a different kind of larger world ethical view. Uh, and an appreciation for the spiritual nature of of all life and of human beings. So it's not a matter of a divinity education is being trumped by a social work education. They are actually complementing and strengthening mm. each other. Mm.
2: Mm. Mm. Excellent. You mentioned Jerry uh, up another ten minutes earlier on at kind of the top about the the shortage. Do you define the sh- shortage of of people in this pipeline? Uh, because of the lack of interest, or because of the need of exceeding our capacity to deal with it, how do you how, you, how do you kind of you know, define the, need, you... The,
1: the needs are greater because of of issues of of equity and poverty um, uh, there there's so many ways to categorize the, prog- the pro the problems the needs are greater because of economic stresses in a lot of people's lives it's greater because of the general stress that people are, are dealing with on everyday living. And then there are people who've actually had traumatic experiences, be it through domestic violence or veterans who have returned from, mm. from conflicts. Mm-hmm. And so social work, the need is greater across the board and certainly in child welfare mm. um, issues. I, so there's more, the need is greater, so there's more uh, a need to have trained people to who can understand and create uh, programs and opportunities, and relate to people according to their needs, and help them to not only identify their own individual strengths and capacities, but to also critique the systems that create mm. um, uh, the burdens that people are carrying. It's it's not just a matter of 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 locating the problem to whatever extent it exists within a person's personality and behavior. Mm-hmm. Behavior change, I mean, that's important too. But if you also, uh, you're also also dealing with people who are in systems that are constantly bombarding them and, and adding more and more burdens. So it's both individual and social in that sense that that work is to critique and to provide ways out and better ways of, of administering social welfare programs and services.
2: Is, is it too Jerry? I really appreciate that that clarification. Is it too simplistic to say that individuals might be quote unquote sick to some degree? But is it too general to say that society is sick?
1: Yes, I don't think it's too general. I think it's I think that's real. Um, the way in which social media, for an example, shows us how we have been conditioned. To violence, for an example, that violence is a form of entertainment. That um, that people can take out their phones and record an abuse rather than intervening to stop it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know that that's a conditioning that that has come upon us, and it's not going anywhere because social media, social media, and all other forms of of um, social media are, are, are emerging. And, uh, the whole issue of AI, artificial intelligence, how we're going to interact and be able to make distinctions between what's real and what's not real. Mm-hmm. So all these things play upon our psychic and our unconscious. And without being aware and prepared to, to uh without being prepared to be aware of how this functions and how this affects our behavior and our thinking, we can Get into a robotic way of being without even knowing that we're being robotic. Mm,
0: mm, mm, mm.
2: The, the, the Pavlovian theory kind of, yeah, kind, yeah. Of, kind of kind of kicks in. Uh, now you... I
1: often often wonder. I know, you know, this is too simplistic, Tom. As you said, I, I know the power of the state, for an example, the police power of the state. Mm-hmm. But I've often wondered what would have happened. During the George Floyd arrest, and with the police officer having his his foot his, his knee on his neck, what would have happened if any one of his colleagues, police colleagues, had walked over to that police officer, put their hand under his arm, and say, "Look, let's stand up. You know, let let's let's release him a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We would have had a whole different story, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, as a citizen." If you're standing there and you feel like you really want to run over and grab the police officer, you know what could happen to you. You can get arrested for interfering with the police officer. You can even get shot because you're threatening, you know, perception of threatening a police officer. Mm -hmm. But the whole point is, how do we interrupt? How do we intervene into modes of thinking and behavior that leads to destruction? How do we do that before it gets to the point Mm -hmm. of destruction?
0: Mm
2: Jerry, for, for people that are listening and students or even parents or just anyone that's listening that has interest in the program and how they might know someone in their network that might be interested in applying, what's the best way for them to kind of discover information?
1: Oh, they can go on the, the yale.edu and then click on the Divinity School or they can uh, they can email me. And it's my, as we say, it's my government name, frederick.streets, F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-K dot streets s-t-r-e-e-t-s at yale.edu great
2: great great we have about uh three or four more minutes i want you to kind of what if there's something that's burning in your heart but i'll kind of throw a hopefully not a curveball or a spitball or a forkball to you but but share uh if you will a, a a biblical uh passage either in the old or new testament that you think uh people need to Really, just to uh, ponder whether you're a Christian or a, or Jew doesn't matter. That that might be of interest to folks today. That that you'd, you'd ask them to kind of either say theirself or think about, so that we can create peace on earth, goodwill toward men and women.
1: Yeah. Well, two come to mind. One is in the Christian world, we often cite John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that God gave of Godself so that whoever believes in 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 Him shall not perish but have everlasting life in the Hebrew Scriptures is um, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. Um, those are two anchoring, um, not only pastoral encouragements, but, but justice encouragements. Uh, to love others as, as you would love yourself is, is, a, is an act of justice mm. and, and stewardship of of human, of human life. For me, John 3.16 is the essence of the Christian message as MC square is the essence of the message of physics. Mm -hmm. It's an elegant, simple statement that's so comprehensive. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, MC square is is such an elegant uh, formula. John 3.16 is the same, whether you're a Christian or atheist, uh, because I think all people are spiritual, not necessarily religious. But um to think that however we understand God or the ultimate source of uh, that created all of creation, to think that that force or that creator loves us uh, to think about that and to accept that could be prof- can have a profound feeling, a profound impact on our self-esteem.
2: Mm. We have about eight more minutes. Let's drill down if we can, if we can, as we conclude on that thought, because again, it might be too philosophical. But again, this the social work uh, mission is a is a, is a is somewhat of a philosophical mission as well. My my point is when you talk about loving yourself, Jerry. Uh, whether you, I wonder if you agree with this. Some people don't have a good grasp on who their self is. If you follow me, right. And or that they might feel that their self is full of unworthy right. existence.
1: Well, uh, wait. So here's here's what here's what social work and pastoral work have in common. For an example, in the story of the creation, some people may be familiar with the creator is looking for the first created couple, right? And and the story tells us that they were hiding from the creator, and when when the creator finally found them. You uh, say, hey, you know, I've been looking for you guys, I've been calling you, you know, what, what's up with this? How come you haven't answered? And the response from one of them was, we didn't answer, we heard you calling us, we didn't answer because we were naked. You know, the story of, mm-hmm. of Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. right? And here's the question that the creator asked, and this is the question that social work and ministry helps people to wrestle with and come to an understanding of. The Creator says to them, "Who told you you were naked? What is the reference point for your identity?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who who told you that you're not lovable? That mm-hmm. you're not worthy? What experiences have you had? What systems do you interact with that reinforces in you a sense of inferiority? Mm-hmm. How do we how do we strengthen our internal cells and at the same time?" How do we activate our sense of citizenship by challenging systems of oppression? Mm, mm, mm,
2: mm. Excellent. Jerry, let's, let's take another 30 minutes, want, 30 seconds rather, I wanna give you the last last word. And this will not be a, a one-off and I really appreciate your being available. I know we juggled a little bit this morning in terms of my- No, sin, no. Well, I, I appreciate
1: <laughs> you and I appreciate the work you're doing. When I look back on my career, um, I, it, it looks so. Um, uh, there's a synergy to it, but I, I want to say to your listening audience that sometimes uh, you just have to follow follow your own instincts, follow your your own passions. I would have never thought coming to YDS in 1972 that 50 years later I'd be mm. sitting here having this conversation with you. Mm. I came to YDS to be a, to become a pastor, and I did. That's all I wanted to do. But in the process of doing that, I learned more about myself and what I was interested in, and that led me to pursue other uh, educational and other uh, formal and informal educational opportunities, which then opened me further to my own self-awareness, as you mentioned earlier, which then led to these involvements that I've described. But it wasn't because it wasn't planned out. Like I sat mm-hmm. down and said, "We're going to do this." <laughs> mm-hmm. So I would ask your audience to 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 really trust their instincts and whatever the wrestling is, whatever the discomfort is, that's a gift from themselves to themselves, trying to tell them something about their journey. Mm.
0: Mm. Mm.
2: Mm. As and we
1: not and not to resist it, to learn from it, to invite
2: mm. it. Mm. As we move into uh i mean this month has been native american heritage month kind of thing as we moved into thanksgiving uh and just i'm really glad you clarified about your 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 undergraduate experience uh say a little bit more about because that's so i did not know that i you know I, I thought it was an extrapolation from canada but to know this was a, a a native school so to speak named after this is a tremendous celebration some people might know about dartmouth and its early origins but certainly uh what you just said was really important so let's just close on that on that point, as we recognize that we're, uh, you know, we're in Quinnipack Land as we speak. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Well, you know, 1865, when Ottawa University was founded, it was part of the, the missionary movement, and there's a lot of a lot of critiques and weak sides of that whole history. But the 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 missionaries who were working out in the Midwest in Kansas um were in partnership with the Iowa Plains Indian. They weren't trying to to missionize him into being mm. Christian. Um, so the, the the school was created and and in honor, not only in honor of the Ottawa and Plains Indians, but to also incorporate some of the culture and the history of the Ottawa and Plains Indians. And uh, any native person of that tribe and some other tribes in the Midwest are able to go to to Ottawa uh, uh, free, as mm. they should, uh, and get a really... Goods It's a small uh, uh, school, roughly 1,400 people, Mm -hmm. liberal arts college uh, affiliated with the American Baptist, but itself is not a proselytizing school. So uh, coming from Chicago, on the south side of Chicago in the 1968 to Ottawa was a a real cultural and educational experience for Mm -hmm. me.
2: Excellent. Jerry, thank you so
1: much, man. It's well, nice. thank you. Thank we, you. Continue to be well and do well.
2: Same to you. And, and I'll say it again. Say hello to your family, as you always say to my.
1: As well as your family. <laughs> Thanks again, man. Okay, thank All you. Right. over and out.
2: You're listening to the topic Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM. Your home for community radio.